0: You know, say, one day, one monkey daddy, I walk around the jungle. And he must say to himself, say, you know, say, stress have beat me bad. The pressure's of life just too much now. So, him say to himself, say, him I got in it. So, him make sure, say, before him go up in the tree, if go in it now, him grab a banana. And so, him go on up to the tree now, and him say, yeah, I eat this. And him climb up the tree. When him reach the top of the tree now, him peel off him banana and him drop the peel down from the ground, boom. And as soon as him take the banana for putting in his mouth, him look down and see one next monkey come take up the banana peel and yam it and walk on. And him said to himself, say, you know, me, I come down. This story is an old to my grandfather, who I know affectionately and- um, referred to as Dada. Um, He told this story to me on one of our family visits to Jamaica when I was about 14 years old. Um, and, you know, I sat a lot of times with my grandfather um, and he would tell us stories like this and he would share um, his deep wisdom with us through allegory, alliteration, uh, stories, and um, all of these things to really draw out the lessons of life he really wanted us to think more deeply about. Um, My grandfather, in many ways, was a storyteller, an alchemist, a magician, um, a sage, and um, I start this episode off as an ode to him. He told me this story, and he stopped right at the point that I stopped, and he looked at me and said, you know where the moral of the story. And I said to him, Yeah, Dada, that, that means that he saw that life wasn't that bad. Once he got up on the tree and he got some perspective, he saw that life wasn't as bad as he thought it was, and he saw that the world was bigger than himself and that somebody else could walk by and see the blessing and the peel of his banana when he just, you know, was like, I'ma just eat this banana and my grandfather smiled at me and in that moment his smile affirmed to me that I got the story. Um, there's not a tradition that's foreign to black people. Black people live life and we tell life through, um, stories and through, um, archetypes that help us move through the world and make sense of our place in it. So today I'm joined by my good good friend Carmen Wong. She's a poet, she's a writer, she's a sister, auntie, a daughter, a friend among so many other things and I'm so glad that we finally were able to get some time to really sit down and put on wax some of our thoughts about black women's storytelling um writing right the art of storytelling, and Mother Tony wow i mean i'm so excited for y'all to hear what we get into this episode we get real kind of nerdy a little bit we even reading it it. (laughs) it's amazing so jump right into the episode um give us your feedback let us know i definitely feel like it got to be a part two because we went in okay also 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 real quick um We were trying to coordinate this like across states, so it was a little difficult with the audio. So if there are moments where you notice like some type of interruption, um, listen, it's all par for the course. Finally, it's like the whole world was conspiring against us, our schedule. I know.
1: It was it was was the world and ourselves. Okay. (laughs) It was definitely it was it was all three parties. I'm happy we're finally. I going. know. I'm so excited. Are we live? How does this work? Oh,
0: we're, we're live. live. We're That's live. like we're uh, live.
1: when Ray we said, "Are we? Are we on the air?" <laughs> yes. Okay, we are live. I I'm, I'm super excited. This has yeah. been a long time coming. I'm sure you'll let the people mm-hmm. know, but I'm happy to see you yeah. producing this, actually putting this together,
0: and now actually being mm-hmm. on it too. So I'm happy about yes and i'm happy to have you because i feel like every time we have a conversation we be going and going and going that's (laughs) because our brains
1: be going and going and
0: going and it needs it needs to
1: rest Mm -hmm. i actually appreciate i've been seeing um some of the tweets you've been posting recently um just about resting Mm -hmm. in in this this joy um in healing that comes from like meditating our minds um i mean our bodies as well but just being able to say look this is my source mm-hmm. of comfort right now, just being still, and I I don't think that's easy, yeah. right? The person, but as a and person I think it's important.
0: Well. Yeah, and in this digital age, you know, I think about it like you know the things that we used to have to do when we were younger. Like if you wanted to go play with one of your friends, you would have to walk there and go knock on the door. It wasn't <laughs> let me text you. right. And now so you could we just, have one um, of these mm-hmm. text
1: games. You, I'm like I'm sh- I'm an old lady. But- yeah. <laughs>
0: You just be like me to in me. A, what are these games these Or people be playing number neighbors, what and stuff is that? like that. What is, what is that? That's the one where they text somebody who has the same oh! number as them, as them and they just change the last number or something. I don't I know. See,
1: first of all, you know what? As much as we can sit here and we can laugh about that, that is some <laughs> inventive communal thing. I mean, right. Okay, so I think also. Um, As you know, my studies is in literature uh, Mm -hmm. and theater performance, but I've Mm -hmm. come to learn a lot more about the idea of digital humanities. And not to say yeah. that number neighbor is. I it right, but I mean, <laughs> I mean it's, yeah. actually, it's it's that very communal aspect of how do we get in touch and stay in touch in the ways that work best for a very millennial society, which is the texting, the phone, you know, I, yeah. I don't think people are really just going to spaces and introducing themselves anymore. Yeah. You know, I don't even <laughs> think relationships are working that way.
0: so. <laughs> It's, it's impacting everything and I think as we talk about the digital humanities and like your interests and how they're developing like I want you to introduce yourself oh to the people oh my
1: gosh wow
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am Carmen Wong I
1: am a great friend of uh, Sadia Malcolm <laughs> pre-PhD I don't know if you guys watch the black lady sketch show but you should follow up on that <laughs> <laughs> I'm a writer, a poet, playwright, although I enjoy writing across genres, um, but also very much, I guess, a theorist of literature. I enjoy studying it, talking mm-hmm. about it, learning new ways to talk about it and explore how it affects us as people, especially Black literature um, across the diaspora, Caribbean literature, African-American literature, African literature. Um and really, just trying to, I think I'm trying to like piece everything together. Look at that, Toni Morrison, the pieces I am. I'm trying to piece ah! all together. If
0: the questions are coming, don't worry.
1: <laughs> oh God, don't make me nervous. Listen, so I have a question for you. Have you
0: texted your sure. neighbor? <laughs> no, Carmen, I have not texted my neighbor. I'm a 90s baby, what? so i mm-hmm. listen. I'm not Generation Z. We not. We come numbers. from the same generation.
1: <laughs> I mean, I haven't texted my number neighbor, but <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> you ain't even know what it is. Don't make me. Uh, uh-uh. uh. You know, I barely do oh on social media. I I right, that now. Too, right I was
1: like, number neighbors. <laughs> it's crazy, but I think I I think the spontaneity of it is is mm-hmm. it's kind of cool. And I I think about like <laughs> right the act of like spontaneity being like these um. In a way, these acts of like a joyous, rebellious state—you know what I mean—for people to be like, I don't <laughs> even—I don't even care what how someone is going to reply to me. I don't care what it is we talk mm-hmm. about.
0: <laughs> like that, to me, is courageous in mm-hmm. so many
1: ways. Um, as long
0: as but be I also thing. think that's the thing. I feel like that's the thing about this technological age, though. I think it's on one on the one side is courage, right? Because you ha- you're generous about it. But it is a different type of courage than knocking on somebody's door and playing. What's that game? Um, uh, oh, ding dong, yeah, you, right. <laughs> Like that's that's a completely different type of courage because if you text somebody and you don't like what they say, you can write them. You yeah, know, that's true. But, <laughs> but I mean, if if Ding did you dong somebody, ditch, you, were, you were running mm-hmm. away from the doors, like
1: you were like knocking. That's true. Out <laughs> out, you were hiding, and you know, it was. It, I mean, mm. it's different, right? But I think that they. I say that to say mm-hmm. that I think they're all in conversation with each other in the same ways that you know literature mm-hmm. past and present, um, and even future mm. is
0: all in conversation with each other. And it's funny that you say that because I think a lot about memes and how they're a generational thing. And I think I think a lot of the digital humanities is dealing with You stuff think like a lot that. about so what? Like the Twitter archive. Um, like memes, oh, right? Okay. Like you haven't show your mom a meme and she'd be like, I who know. that? And it's like, girl, like well,
1: we have a very Caribbean <laughs> people well, who don't
0: that's they okay. So you missed the it. They
1: can I find them <laughs> on WhatsApp and you know.
0: <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I feel like you missed a little bit in the intro, but I was going to oh, get there. Because get I that is an important part, <laughs> part of, I think, your trajectory as a writer. We've been really specific about that from the time that I met you, that Caribbean literature was important to you. Um, and so I want you to, first of all, let's, You're breaking up let's up tell the story bit. of how we met. I'm breaking up. Can you oh, hear me yeah, now? Yeah,
1: I can hear you. You're just going in and out.
0: Okay. Let's see,
1: can you hear me better? Than yeah, you? I can hear you right now.
0: Okay, so I said, Tell the story of how we met.
1: Oh my goodness, <laughs> Zadia and I met in London <laughs> in 2016. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. which feels like a lifetime ago. Um, <laughs> but we were studying abroad <laughs> and mm-hmm. We actually attended Howard together. Did not know each other while we were at Howard. Randomly mm-hmm. met in this very tiny apartment complex.
0: Isn't even an apartment. It was <laughs> a closet.
1: In a in a closet complex. Okay, we're gonna have these compound words in this in this uh closet complex where both of our beds were so close we could reach over and touch the other person's. Uh, (laughs) um but you know I want to say that Sadia didn't know this at the time but I knew that we were always going to be friends I just knew it we (laughs) we would engage in these um very dense conversation from the start whether it was (laughs) I mean while we were doing hair or while we were doing Mm -hmm. homework Um, it was very, very dense conversations surrounding um, social consciousness and identity, heritage and roots and mm-hmm. just things that I don't know how we ever fell asleep. And looking back, I think <laughs> had we known each other as, as closely as we do now, I don't think we ever would have went to sleep. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we, um, we met so uh, out of the country, <laughs> which is amazing mm-hmm. yep. um, and have kept in touch mm-hmm. since I think our relationship has grown and, and given a conversation that we had over twitter not so long ago um thinking <laughs> about the ways that um for howard university to be our foundation in our studies um in our communities um in our social living but for yeah. us as howard students to have connected outside of this uh howard bubble um, and yeah. to continue to connect outside of this Howard bubble, uh, we've done uh, the Research Association of
0: Minority Professors, I want to make sure I get that right,
1: conference yes. um, held in New Orleans.
0: Early and that was our both of our first uh, graduate conferences, yes. like, um, our first academic conferences as graduate and students. Yeah, and it
1: was successful. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, I think what did Issa Rae say? It's time to brag. It's it's a, it's ah! a time for bragging. Um, where Sadia actually <laughs> won an award for her presentation in the uh, doctoral, um, section.
0: Yes, Category. and you
1: won one for the Masters. Yes, I did. <laughs> I, I was super proud of that. I was I was nervous mm. because it was a whole bunch of people talking about science, mm. um, even even in yep. the social sciences, which I know is your thing. And here I was mm-hmm. freaking picking up. I picked up Shakespeare's <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the Tempest <laughs> against uh, Caesar's A Tempest. And I just started reading from both. And I said, there is a mm-hmm. difference. We have to understand this post-colonial literature and people <laughs> <are> listening <laughs> and participating.
0: And it made me feel better. Yes, they were. <laughs> And I was so happy. Um, And I think (laughs) that's. I think that the beautiful thing is, you know what? My recollection of us meeting in London. I remember um, first arriving. I was like, first of all, is this about to be? I arrived first, so I was like, this is a damn closet. You (laughs) can sit on the toilet, put your foot in the tub, and watch. I was telling someone about that
1: actually. I was
0: telling someone about
1: literally how small the bathroom was. Oh my god!
0: And I cannot believe it. And I remember. (laughs) I saw Carmen Wong on like a paper and I was like, who is this person about to be from Howard? I was like, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know who to, who to expect. But once again, like Howard always, man, the diaspora is so thick at mm-hmm. Howard. Like it's, that's a whole nother ball game. And I was like, who is this person about to be? I was like, maybe she's not coming <laughs> because I didn't see you. And then when you came, you had such a big energy, you know, like it was like, I was like, oh gosh, she's like a little sister. <laughs> And you know when you laugh when right you now anything, <laughs> <laughs> and I remember I used to be so you know because my family was in London, mm-hmm. so I remember on the weekends Carmen used to be traveling. <laughs> they used to be you know going to parties, and I was like, I'm not really trying to go to no parties. I don't really drink like that, child. I, I, I don't
1: listen. Kid. I blame it on the culture, okay? It's the, it's the culture <laughs> that make you drink, okay? <laughs>
0: But Carmen, I remember the, t- the actually, I remember our bonds getting the thickest when um, we were in that um, black, what was it called? 20th century? No, 19th century British women's writing Yeah, I, class. yeah
1: British women writers or British, we British women's class. literature or something.
0: And our professor, Grania, shout, shout out, out to Grania. Grani- shout out Grani- Grani- <laughs> Grani- pronunciation, okay. I
1: don't know. Is it Grania? I don't know. It's an accented E or something. I
0: don't know. But she was lit. Um, and I think she was amazing because as the two, we were the only two HBCU students, first right. of all, in there in this classroom full of a whole bunch of white okay. students, and we were reading. I will never forget. We read Jane Eyre, and nobody else saw a problem with birth. <laughs> oh my gosh! I said, I, I'm
1: literally. I. I it's crazy. <laughs> I'm. I mean, I'm not gonna get all nerdy right now, but um. Do your
0: <laughs> thing. <laughs>
1: we out my, my good sis mother Tanya Shirley. Okay, the merchant mm-hmm. of feathers. Um, and it's, <laughs> I'm happy so she's been showing me a lot of love on the Twitter. Okay, mm-hmm. like, on the Twitter, um, but she actually has a poem, um, after mm-hmm. Jane Eyre. So you guys should really. She's a Caribbean. What is it called? Um, it's from her book, The Merchant of Feathers and i believe uh, i mean i'm sitting next to my bookshelf right now so i can like find what the name (laughs) of the poem is but it Mm -hmm. is um in regards to jane ear and she is uh, a caribbean author writer who very much inserts Mm. her identity um through poetry and so she Mm. talks about because i think and this is where i'm at i think in my focus in my study in my life right now if we're going to talk about colonial literature colonial text then we have to talk about it in a post-colonial sense um, and I think mm. that she does that I'm going to try to find um, the name of the poem for you
0: okay. and in the meantime too I remember um, who wrote "Wide Sargasso Steve that was also a oh, yeah, yeah yeah who yeah. wrote Bertha's um, 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 uh, story yeah
1: yeah yes and that's also um, another uh, post-colonial texts that I refer to all the time. Yeah. So.
0: And I'm like, Black women be knowing because I remember vividly reading Jane Eyre and I remember saying to myself, like, yo, Jane Eyre is a fo- is a foil for Bertha, so the more Jane Eyre comes into herself yes. and all of these beautiful so-called things, you see this woman kind of folding mm-hmm. into herself and being presented as an animal. And she was correct, yeah, too. Very- like and barbaric in that like, way um to answer your question it was rise dean
1: rise with wow so yeah so yes, um In yes. the name of the poem yes. is and called, she was Caribbean. yeah 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 um dominica i believe i don't want to yep that. she was yep. From
0: dominica and the other thing about all of this that i find to be so beautiful is this transnationalism that yes. happened and i think london London made us connect on a lot of those levels because we were like, yo, we're in this place, this colonial place, Mm -hmm. this place that has stretched its um, cold white hands (laughs) over a lot of the world and tried to damage and try to harm Mm -hmm. it. But in in a sense, not in a sense, in every sense, Mm that the the British Empire could not survive without the Korean. Most
1: definitely. And, you know, there's two things I'll say to that. One, I'm happy Mm -hmm. that you mentioned this term, um, and I hope we're not just throwing words around um Mm -hmm. of transnationalism because I've actually been Mm -hmm. um I've been working on a study of a specific author um Edwidge Danticat and so that's something Mm -hmm. that I've been thinking about especially in her writing right this idea of transnationalism or or just what it means to be a black um when we talk about hyphenated writer, whether it's like Mm. African-American, Asian-American, Guyanese-American, Macon-American writer, and how Mm. it is that we connect these identities um, across the globe, Mm -hmm. right? Across the diaspora, in colonial spaces, post-colonially. That's something that I've been Mm. thinking about a lot, especially as we talk about this idea of nationalism how it is mm-hmm. that black folks show nationalist mm-hmm. behaviors or pretenses in literature and in
0: livelihood. And I think you know what was so beautiful. I was reading somebody's um dissertation because you know my work is also I, and I didn't see this coming. Like this happened this year when um my friend Jalecia and I were writing um this piece about black Caribbean women's contributions mm-hmm. to black studies. Yes, right? Congrats on that. And <laughs> Yes, I'm it was I'm it was beautiful so to write. It carried me through. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah and so I remember when we were writing that my research trajectory literally shifted in the writing Mm. of that piece because you know a lot of the work that I had been doing with girls was based in Philly and I was like you know, I've always wanted to go to the continent. Like, you know, we went to Ghana, yeah. um, to the um, to the orphanage, and you know, we went to all these places. I was like, damn, like it's no way I can't touch down here and you know, do my thing because I've always been very transnational in my thinking. Perhaps because my whole coming into this world was transnational. You know, my parents crossed waters to get Most here definitely. and bring me into the world. I need
1: world. you to slow it down. I'm, I'm thinking about your <laughs> listeners, um. So I have to ask you to explain this idea of transnationalism. I think that we know Mm -hmm. what it means especially Mm -hmm. um in the context of our work um but Mm -hmm. what does that translate to to someone who you know because because a lot of people Mm -hmm. especially when we think about it in this very theoretical way because that's really what it is theorizing Mm -hmm. a lot of um our societies um Mm -hmm. so how would you explain transnationalism right the same way that i i guess you can Mm -hmm. ask me to explain (laughs) post-colonialism um and what that Mm -hmm. means
0: Well, I think Black people are transnational by nature, right? Which means Mm -hmm. that our very existence is at the intersection of many um, global locations and transitions through space and time, Mm -hmm. right? So you're thinking about what the transatlantic slave trade did Mm -hmm. to Black people. It fragmented our identities in a lot of ways, right? So we talk about the Black Atlantic and the transatlantic passage as a means to bridge whatever fissure happened in our existence and in our being and in the same way we can look at uh contemporary um situations that are happening around immigration in the united states where they got kids locked in cages these children are often transnational why because trans meaning across and nation meaning nation Mm -hmm. right and we know that nations are constructed boundaries right Because Black people have been traveling and not necessarily killing people and pillaging in their travels, but understanding that their existence is tied to a wider world than their specific societies, right? That's why we have so many strong histories of trade, and we see the influence of Africa throughout the entire globe, right? Um, I think that one example of transnationalism that Black people can understand, um, and even like young people can understand very readily, is the existence of a Malcolm X, right? Malcolm X would not have been a Malcolm X without Malcolm X's mother who was a mm-hmm. Grenadian right and, Ma- and Malcolm X's mother would not have been who Malcolm X's mother was if it wasn't for a Garvey because mm-hmm. she was a Garvey yep. yep there would not have been a Garveyite Marcus Garvey's mother if there was not for an Amy Ashwood Garvey right who was Marcus Garvey's first like- wife and who was 17 when she helped him start the movement
1: Yes, I like what I like <laughs> that you're doing is right, and this is what I mean by by throwing these words around, um, which I think is probably gonna occur several times mm-hmm. throughout our conversation. But even in listening to you talk about uh, transnationalism, um, or even what it means to be a Garveyite. Um, But explaining it in this contextual way where we talk about the uh, etymology of these words, you know what I mean, Um, When we're talking about being followers of Marcus Garvey um, and whether that's it's it's physically or whether that is um, just
0: by belief system principles on how we choose to. Run run that back real quick, because I didn't hear um, what you said in the beginning started breaking up.
1: Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear. Well, I was just saying that I really appreciate the ways um, in which, in order for us to better understand these these larger terminologies, um, which are very contextual, mm-hmm. and I think that's like, you know, it's one of the things that I always am faced with when people try to ask me to explain, well, what do we mean when we talk about the Black diaspora, right? Like, I think there's mm-hmm. there's a grounded way to define it, maybe, right? But when mm-hmm. we talk about it, we have to talk about it very contextually. And so when we look at mm-hmm. the, the etymologies of these words, we have to look at it in yep. a very um, contextual way, which I think you're doing, whether we're talking about mm-hmm. um, what it means to be a Garvey and understanding the practices mm-hmm. of following someone like Marcus Garvey and what that uh, stems mm-hmm. from, what his beliefs were mm-hmm. from, and how that transcends across generations of people who
0: mm-hmm. have chosen. And yeah, yeah, who
1: have chose, you know, this belief system, because it all, you know, and I think that's why it's hard to talk about, because a lot of these are um, principled beliefs, you know, like a lot of these um, theories come from something, and, and I think that's seen throughout um, the study of Black people in general, right, that a lot of these, these mm-hmm. things that we are quantifying come from a very emotional space, it comes from a very yeah. you know, experienced relationship between Mm -hmm. the work um, and themselves, really, the people around them, Mm the people who've raised them. Um, So I was thinking of Mm -hmm. that as you were talking about this idea of, like, transnationalism. um, And I was saying that we will Mm -hmm. probably get to going around a whole lot of words, um, but I think Mm -hmm. understanding it in a more contextualized way in the manner that we're
0: talking about it um, was important Mm -hmm. in this conversation. It's important. And I think as the person that is the writer, like, that's the beauty about the attention that, you know, you pay to the detail you know because I think that it's odd right because we always talk we always talk about this always this is one of the conversations that take us hours because we always talk about how the the academy co-ops occurrences in the black uh-huh. world and puts it forth as something that's oftentimes quote-unquote unintelligible right or uh, like oh or un- Palatable for the masses, which is bullshit. But you know, we ain't even. Oh, we get can't that. get into that. This not I really think... <laughs> enough time in this podcast in the, in the world. So. But I think that transnationalism is not what we do. Transnationalism is what we are. Repeat um, that. Because I, I when you think you. about hip hop, you said huh? repeat that. I didn't hear you. I said transni- transnationalism isn't something that we do. Transnationalism is something that we are. Yeah. Right. When you think about the emergence of hip hop and what it was trying to recover or reclaim in its creation, like you, everything that we know about ourselves is tied to multiple places. Most on the globe. De- you um, must
1: not have seen of my most recent presentation. Okay, <laughs> I'm um, doing a presentation actually on. Uh, so I, I'm I'm studying uh, African oral uh, literature. Talking about performance Mm. literature specifically Mm. and really getting into not only the orality as in O-R-A-L, but the orality as in Um, A-U-R. And so studying the orality and the orality of literature, right, not only the way that we say it, but the way Mm -hmm. that we receive it, um, because... I think in understanding this, we have to understand when we talk about performance literature, when we talk about hip hop, and that's what's uh, making me venture into this conversation. It's really mm-hmm. understanding the audience as much as it is understanding the artist and the art. And mm-hmm. all of those are in conversation at the same time as we see in music, especially within the black community, right, when we talk about storytelling. Storytelling mm-hmm. had, it was something that even if you wrote it down and lifted up off the page, and I think that we as mm-hmm. Black writers, that is, that is what we do by nature. Um, and that is not mm-hmm. to try to box Black writers into this one um, characteristic, right? But I think that mm-hmm. when we study Black literature specifically, we are studying authors um, who mm. know that there is this gravitational pull that they can rely on into a Black audience, Mm -hmm. um, even wider audiences, but people who not only get their work, but by getting their work, get them.
0: And what I want you to do, too, is, like, as we think about um, making sure that we are... um, contextualizing these words is like so break down your understanding of the difference between orality and orality and then also throw in there a little bit of context around what p- post-colonialism is and oh what it looks my like. gosh
1: I knew you were going to say that I don't even it's <laughs> you know these are very um I, I when people ask this I'm like I have freaking thesis <laughs> about
0: this how do I turn this into a, a two-minute conversation um well, I think the, the quickest thing is the difference between the the first root words, right, which would be the or- oral and oh, aura. Yes, yes. So right? actually, this,
1: this stems mm-hmm. from, um, there are just so many, you know, what's crazy. I'm reading so many um, African literature right now, academic African literature um, that are being published mm-hmm. in Nigeria to the point where the books mm-hmm. are actually coming from Nigeria and we can't find this mm-hmm. in the market in the US, um, some of the in the UK, too, that are studying this. Um, Mm -hmm. So it stemmed from I think it was a question about, well, what's the difference in the way Mm. that um, performance literature works? And I I, the Mm. first thing I remember saying was audio right, and so when we talk about Mm, the AU, we're talking about the orality, right, Mm. and that's what it Mm. is, so I think that's an easy way to think about it, the sense of how do we hear this thing, and that's where the audience Mm -hmm. comes into play, because that's reception, you know, when we talk about writing, Mm. especially, and and, and this goes into the conversation we're trying to avoid about the academy, (laughs) but um, when we talk about whether it's the MFA setting or, or, you know, a a setting of higher ed and how we talk about literature, we talk about the written Mm -hmm. language, and we don't talk about not necessarily a spoken word, but the word is spoken. Um, mm. And so this differentiation, distinction between the oral and the oral is really something that works together.
0: Mm. And you know what I think is beautiful about that? Um, I, I appreciate the clarification because, you know, I was thinking when you said orality, right? I was thinking O R A L I T Y versus um, A U. R a l i t y because I heard you you say something about community and I thought. um, So I was thinking that you were saying orality, which is o r a l i t y, versus orality, which would be a u r a l i t y, because I thought you were talking about aura or energy surrounding creation.
1: I can hear hear you. It's just going in and out. I heard you thought it was orality versus.
0: Right. So I was saying that I thought it was orality, O-R-A-L-I-T-Y mm-hmm. versus orality, which would be A-U-R-A-L-I-T-Y. Because as you were talking about community, I was in like, oh, like the energy or the aura. Surrounding no, that is, is that is part or, of it, too. Yeah.
1: That is definitely part of it. Mm-hmm. I think that's all inclusive. Do not think that that's what I'm negating. I am saying orality mm-hmm. versus orality but I think mm-hmm. also in understanding not just because that's what you brought up is a whole nother thing. We're talking about the mystical presence now in literature, right? Mm-hmm. Which is right. there in Black culture and the roots, especially as we contextualize African literature and how it has transcended into African American literature and there beyond. You're mm-hmm. right. You are, I'm absolutely talking about that. I'm talking about both. Of, I'm talking about all three of these things, really, um, which I think mm-hmm. is a difficulty of understanding. But I think if we can sit here and we can understand um. You know, early, way early English vernacular. Then we can sit here, and we can contemporize a lot of these terminologies, um, and how mm-hmm. they work with the literature we read today.
0: And I think it's beautiful to me because, um, like, I'm just thinking about when we went to go see Imogen at the Shakespeare's yeah. Globe, you know, <laughs> and I'm thinking, I that <laughs> and. In, in context right I remember um, my first intro to theater class when mm-hmm. I was at Howard like we talked about um jungle mm-hmm. right or um masquerade yes. like right and I was like damn we're <laughs> talking about this it was just a very like you know the concept of a globe or a stage mm-hmm. versus people performing yeah. you know what I mean in space and the spirituality mm-hmm. aspect that is tied to it is just like I can't wait to see the things that um, inspire you to write. You know what I mean. What, once you you go through this, yeah. you know what I mean. Because I, I, it's gonna be I amazing. I can't wait. <laughs> and as we're talking about this mystical piece mm-hmm. and writing, talk to me about oh Tony, man. Talk to me about Tony. No,
1: that, that's a loaded question. Where do we start, right? Oh my god.
0: Where can we start? It's,
1: it's let's let's start by this. Tony Morrison, um, in my opinion, is not. An author that you separate from her work, and I think that's an easy segue into talking about her, right, because there has been so many literary studies that are saying, no, we need to separate the author from their work and talk strictly about the work. And I will say that Toni Morrison is someone who, the same way when I talk, when I think about, you know, and a lot of Black writers that did not remove themselves from the work right not their identity not what they Mm -hmm. believe not in their uh, ideas of community you know not in the ways they wrote about blackness about black families black women you know and their ties to Mm -hmm. their culture the characters ties to their culture that that i in my opinion is very informed by their own ties to their
0: culture Mm. and you know what's beautiful about that identity piece Um, I was, that's what I was going to get at earlier when you first, um, mentioned Edward because I was reading a dissertation by, um, Gina Ulysses and she's a Haitian anthropologist by trade. Um, and she graduated from my university, right? And she did this, um, dissertation on women in downtown Kingston who are like Higglers or like Mm. market women. And when I read her dedication and her dissertation, I wanted to shout because she wrote in, her Haitian dialect wow. to and she, and Ooh, she you have to, I will, you know I will, girl, we be sending know, each other the whole afternoon. you, you sent so. me that,
1: um, that mm-hmm. meme that said, <laughs> how, how, how do uh, <laughs> academics show that they, they love each other, they don't they love they each say other, love and
0: yourself, they send myself. each other work, and that's, that's the truth, right, <laughs> so no, send me that, <laughs> And I think that'll, <laughs> really I will, be cool the most beautiful thing was she actually shouted out I, and I wonder if it's Ed, Ed, um, Edwidge Danticat because she shouted her out in her um, in her uh, dedication as if that was a mm-hmm. friend or something and the other part was like she was like saying she said towards the end you got me wanting to pull this out Straight she said out. something like I'm gonna I'm gonna write down on the page something that we often mm-hmm. whisper and she was like giving homage to the low eyes and through wow. like all of this yeah. I said yo wow. and Tony did that in oh, her work. Definitely. And I, you know, I, I got all these damn Tony books on my shelf. And I remember it, so, and God helped the child, yes. right? In the very first like chapter, which is called Sweetness, she mm-hmm. wrote. And I love the way she wrote, because she wrote so conversationally that but it she takes you through a journey. So eloquently, right? Yes, she oh, did. Goodness. Yes, she did.
1: Are you are and you she, gonna so read she from she wrote, it? She you said, gotta read from it so we can know yes, to talk yes, about Yes, got Okay.
0: To got to and i was trying to decide between beloved tar baby oh my god i'm just i'm I'm
1: thinking about what i have sitting right next to me i'm just whichever one i pull out first
0: (laughs) so we'll we'll do that so oh man it says it's not my fault so you can't blame me i didn't do it and i have no idea how it happened it didn't take me more than an after an hour after they pulled her out from between my legs to realize something Mm. was wrong really wrong she was so black, she scared. me. Mm. Midnight black. Sudanese black. I'm light skinned with good hair. What well, we call high yellow. Yes. And so is Lula Ann's father. Ain't nobody in my family anywhere near that mm. color. Tar is the closest I can think of, yet her hair didn't go with the skin. And you remember that video that was going around on social media with that um, woman? Um, they had a baby and they was like, she was crying and she was like, why is she so dark?
1: Yeah.
0: Um. That that makes me think about Thank those you. moments, right? Like, or we tell little girls, you're pretty for a, a dark skinned girl, or, you know, being Caribbean girl, you know, you know how the colorism things go and the skin bleaching, but that's that transnationalism that is evident and like inbred in the work of black women writers. Because we always gotta be thinking about everything outside of us and inside of us at the same time. Oh, I'm most definitely.
1: definitely. Woo. I'm like I'm pulling up Woo. literally. I have. Uh, let me tell you what Morrison books do I have right in front of me? I have. Mm.
0: Sula,
1: I have home. I have a mm. mercy. I have the bluest eye Yes. Um, in her recent, the source of self regard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I. I mean, Woo. I think that we have to. Talk about um, this memorialization mm-hmm. of of Toni Morrison, right? Yes. And then the African presence. How do we memorialize mm-hmm. um someone like Toni Morrison, a Black woman, as Black people in that way? And I think it's keep reading the literature. You know, I was I was at um, Ashe Cultural Center last night, um, mm-hmm. and they were doing. Tributes, was that the
0: but... place we went to um, to the bookstore?
1: No, it's not. Okay. It's a
0: different... You have to come back and visit New Orleans. Of course. Yes. <laughs>
1: um, I was there last night. It was a tribute to Toni Morrison um, with some featured writers. Mm-hmm. And it was also an open mic. And one of the things that um, Maurice Carlos Ruffin was saying uh, as he read a piece by Toni Morrison before he read his own. Um, shout out to Maurice, who actually has his debut novel, published oh, by Random House, I believe it is, and he's doing big things. Uh, mm-hmm. Black writer, graduated from my program, actually as a fiction writer, um, mm-hmm. and he is out here, I mean, doing the damn thing, you know? Uh, and, and the character's black, and, and, mm-hmm. and it's very like, in this way, very Afrofuturism, right? Yeah. But anyways, um, he was talking about Morrison and, you know, he was playing music. That was the first thing he did. And he said, you know, we're taught, you know, publicly that the way we memorialize people is with these moments of silence. Mm-hmm. And that's not what we do. You know, <laughs> like we we need the rhythms of drums and we need the beats and we need to feel how we feel. Mm-hmm. And you know i think of that as we sit here and we read from morrison today and we talk about her work and and not really in this like explanatory way you know cuz i encourage people to read it i always encourage people to read literature on their own and, and value their own devalue their own meaning you know mm. um but to say look this woman i mean was an incredible writer she an was a black woman oh my
0: goodness she Her style is everything because you know what I'm thinking about, Carmen. <laughs> you know my ass. I'm pulled four books off of the shelf now. <laughs> I'm thinking a lot about how these. All right, so you know when we talk about spirituality, because I think uh-huh. not even I think I know that Tony invokes a lot of African spirituality, both explicitly and, in, 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 and implicitly oh, in her work. God. Yet, I'm I just opened up, tar Baby. I opened wow. up. Um, I don't have in front of me. I opened up.
1: I actually Christmas just Edward. opened up Sula, and the first thing—oh my gosh! Page four. I'm like, we're Ooh. early in right now. This is—it's crazy, oh, right? Go, right? We go um, back to the bookshelf. <laughs> oh my gosh! Literally. <laughs> um, let's see.
0: Well, as Are you? we right? have it? The thing is, I'm, I'm, I opened three of these books up. First of all, a song is a song of Solomon is named after a book in the Bible, right? But yeah, she yeah. has 1 Corinthians and 11 at the front of Tar Baby. She has Romans mm-hmm. 9 and 25 at the front of it. And at the front right. of God Help the Child, she has a, um, another scripture, which is Luke 18, 16. And I think that that play on Black people and their spirituality. Because I think Du Bois did the same thing. Right? Yeah. Nikki Giovanni talks about it too. Ooh, the element of the black
1: church in the writing. She yes. is she talks about Aretha and Aretha was a soulful artist, came right mm. out of the
0: church. Mm, mm, mm. And I think that is so that says something, right? Because I think about um um why am I blanking? When we did the NPR interview on um um souls of black folk, we were talking about mm-hmm. the the spiritual the, the songs as epigraphs. In the text mm-hmm. and yep. what that meant like black people are sweet sing theory bro we live theory we dance yeah. theory we embody it
1: most definitely mm. most definitely and i think um when you came down here and we got to experience congo squid yo right?
0: yo <laughs> Ooh, girl yeah and so mm-hmm. i know you wanted to share something from uh sula right
1: Yes, I did. I, I mean, I'm not in a rush. I think we could talk about Toni Morrison mm-hmm. all day. I don't you want know? Us to forget like, though, because Sula is. There oh, where... we won't. I have the page open. We let's get Listen, it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So as we talk about, you know, what were we talking about at first when when we started pulling all these
0: books out? We were just <laughs> talking about the gene like the geniusness of her work, but also the ways in which like people were so easily able to connect with it because it flowed. Mm.
1: Mm. Yes, yes. So I'll read... Then this is coming right off of page four. Oh, my gosh. Mm. She she writes, quoting, Mm. a shucking, Mm. knee-slapping, wet-eyed laughter that could even describe and explain how they came to be where they were. Mm. A joke. A nigger joke. Mm. That was the way it got started. Not the town, of course, but that part of the town where the Negroes lived. The part they called the bottom, mm. in spite of the fact that it was up the hills. What? Just a nigger joke. What? The kind white folks tell when the mills closes down and they're looking for a little comfort somewhere. Mm. The kind colored folks tell on themselves when the rain doesn't come or comes for weeks and they're looking for a little comfort somehow. Mm. And I'll stop there. But
0: And you know what <laughs> is crazy, <laughs> sis? I, when the the morning she passed, before I knew, there was a calm that came over me. Um, Mm. And when I heard that she passed, I know that often. And you know, if we're going to talk about the biblical piece, like if the Bible says that we shouldn't mourn for somebody's death, we should mourn for their birth and we should celebrate their Mm -hmm. death. And so we kind of got that a little backwards. And I remember when I heard that she died, like this smile came over my soul because I, I said, this is a woman where you know, um, people often in the church say, like, you know, I want God when I when it's the end of my life, I want to say, God, I use everything you gave me. Tony mm-hmm. used everything God gave her, and
1: I agree. And I and you know, it's important because I I realized I started reading without introducing what I was reading, mm-hmm. right? But um, I mean, she talks about these regional differences, mm-hmm. this community of the bottom, right? This, which which is this black community, mm-hmm. you know, that that has been referred to mm-hmm. by uh, white folks and others as the bottom, mm-hmm. right? Because it's, but it's situated at the top, you know. So yeah. I think she's also yeah. referencing that idea of black folks and the idea that they have to be down all the time, right? But it's a community that is rich, as we just read, whether it's in laughter and living in in being communal in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and understanding um, hmm. the idea of where this bottom comes mm-hmm. from, right? And and we and, and a lot of it is understanding, like, the time periods that she was writing about, right? So these lands um, that bl- Black folks not only lived in but communed in, mm-hmm. um, when they were were former uh, enslaved folks and they were given whatever lands and they turned it into their communities mm-hmm. um, in that way, that... that white folks made it seem as though it were a gift to do you know Mm. when we talk about the idea of black people owning land that it it couldn't have been rightfully theirs right Mm. and so she talks about this sense of community and this this idea of blackness communing on this land that black people have owned as theirs Mm. and that the world looks at as something else
0: Mm. and you know one thing um that i thought was really beautiful remember that um Podcast video I had sent to you where she was talking. Was she talking about Beloved? Oh, yes. Was it, you know, because she was saying that Beloved is actually based on. A historical character but it wasn't until she started writing that she went to the research right Mm -hmm. and I think that that is beautiful because that talks Mm -hmm. about that knowledge that goes with you right and we talk Mm -hmm. about traditions of being a griot we talk about traditions of being a scribe and a storyteller Mm -hmm. it is something that you channel right from your bloodline and the people who are you are connected to in order to bring forth stories right in order to transmit them to the next generation and I thought that was so beautiful because in the context for myself as a a different type of writer right because as a sociologist I'm thinking about how I always took issue with and that's why I had to go to Jamaica this summer I took issue Mm -hmm. with seeing the written text as the authority on people's lives right Mm -hmm. in the same way she said she wanted to write she wrote first and edited later and i think yeah me as somebody that you know we our families they're from the global south and the caribbean doesn't mm-hmm. often get much attention right or and the attention it deserves i believe in the context mm-hmm. of academia. um and i do. Um, and we think about how you know when you talk about the caribbean like my research right I remember being told over and over again, like, uh, well, you know, you just gotta, if you can't find the frame that you're looking for, you just gotta read more. You just gotta read more. And that there became a moment where I was clouded. And it was like something in my soul said, I'm not reading shit else until I go to the Caribbean for myself. And that was mm-hmm. me even removing my own understandings of the Caribbean because I had been there right. often. I had yeah. lived there as a child, but I had to say to myself, I don't even trust my own narrative of this place until I go yeah. there and I let the land speak to me. Mm. That, you know, for me, was so you know, important. What's,
1: what's, what ties into the the video that you sent me um, that inspires this conversation is the way that even after knowing and naming this historical figure, mm-hmm. Morrison said, I need to write this as it is. And I think that that's what you're touching on, right? Mm -hmm. But we have to strip ourselves of the things that we've been taught sometimes Mm -hmm. to be as we are, to find our own understanding. And then we can come back and we can always self-correct in that way. But I think it's important, especially in art and a creation and learning Mm -hmm. to learn things for ourselves, to experience things for ourselves. And that's what I think her writing does. It was experiencing things for herself Mm. And writing through it in a way that became comprehensible to herself, Mm. but also to us, right? And then we were able to learn from it and do as we will, which is to say that we were able to have that very, um, that circular motion of, okay, well, I've taken this Mm -hmm. and I understand myself as this from reading that, but now how do I find that for myself, which is what I think her writing encouraged.
0: Mm. And I think it's beautiful because I think that helps you develop your intuition too. And Mm -hmm. as I said that, I just got like a glimpse in my head of um, children, black children dancing, right? And you know, like as Mm -hmm. previous, we always stay dancing, girl. But think about being at some type of function where it's a circle and there are children dancing, but the children are dancing and improvising and mimicking what it is that they've interpreted Mm -hmm. from their culture and the community around them.
1: And, Most definitely. you know, you're
0: watching them dance and you're watching the elders and the family members and the friends and the community members, um, you know, kind of egg them on or challenge them to be better, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what that writing process is and it does, and for me as a researcher, that is what, ha- what a part of my process is as well. It's like this moment where you're saying to yourself, I'm gonna write the thing, I'm gonna do the thing, I'm gonna do mm-hmm. what I feel like needs to be done, and trust that the correction won't only be a self-correction; it'll be a community correction. It'll be an ancestral mm-hmm. connection, correction. It'll wow. be a divine correction. That's a correction. great way to put it. And that's what Tony did. I remember watching Beloved when I was like young, and I was like, "This movie is be scary as fuck." And then mm-hmm. getting older and realizing, <laughs> "Oh, she wrote a book on this. Okay, let me check this out." Yeah. And mm-hmm. feeling like Tony's writing. I mean, and and you know what I love about her? Tony wasn't in the business of pleasing no damn white people.
1: Mm-mm. She wasn't. She wasn't. And that's at, important. Okay, so
0: she wrote this essay
1: that I actually recently come to know, mm-hmm. um, and I'm trying to. It was literally following <laughs> uh, Trump's election. So. Can you? Can you hear me?
0: I can hear you. I just said child.
1: And I think it. <laughs> Being a black woman writer and having so much anger and rage, and she wasn't afraid of that. She wasn't afraid of that temperament mm. that has stereotyped our community for so long. And I believe this piece is mm. called. And I'm trying. I'm thinking off memory now. I think it's "Make America White Again." And mm. I mean, Tony. She calls people out, Miss Morrison. She she mm-hmm. calls out the whole political system. The folks behind it mm. right because when we talk about systems when we talk about language we have to talk about the people mm. you know because the systems are going to mm-hmm. be there but the people put the systems in place so can you hear me yeah
0: yeah i can hear you you're you're low i can hear you
1: okay i can barely hear you but um mm-hmm. you know i say that to say when we talk about morrison we talk about Mama Morrison. And we talk about the way her writing really embodied her being as a person, the way that she Mm. didn't write to please people, but she also was unafraid and unapologetic to speak her mind, whether it be an interview, uh, a speech, a reading, and all of that transcended Mm. in her writing and beyond. And so when you talk about, Mm. uh, when you got the news of her Mm. transition, I it was mm-hmm. a hard day for me, and you know what mm-hmm. made it a tougher day, right? Because it it was it was coming to this reality, but what made it a, a tougher day was living with the reality as experienced through the ways in mm-hmm. which loved ones reached out to me about mm-hmm. her um, becoming an ancestor. Mm-hmm. That really touched me. Mm-hmm. I think in a deeper way because it was it was one the struggle of well wow like mm-hmm. like a great one you know has just mm-hmm. moved beyond us but then the way mm-hmm. that it it took communities of folks to dig back into her writing right some for mm-hmm. the first time some for uh yeah. uh reapproach to the literature but the way mm-hmm. that people sought after her writing and even her new writing, but the way people Mm. insisted on reaching out also Mm. to people who loved her literature, right? Because I was thinking Mm. about the ways in which her literature then became in circulation, um, not Mm -hmm. in the ways of just passing books around, but also in the ways of just conversation, You know, people that were checking on you like I know you're you're a scholar of literature and and a scholar of African-American literature and black literature. And I know, Mm -hmm. this. you know, this has to be a great loss. And I I remember telling people that I remember saying this isn't a great loss for me. This is this is a loss for our community. So for you to check on Mm -hmm. me, I'm ashamed that I haven't checked on you. You know, because mm. I don't think that it was a Toni Morrison was mine. I think we all wanted Toni Morrison to be mine. Mm. But Toni Morrison was ours. You know, it was mm. it, it was an and experience I I think, to have, have say... people like her. Right. And I think so many of us mm-hmm. black writers um, and scholars who study black literature, you know, come out from this school of teaching, of learning that is Toni Morrison that says that she will mm-hmm. always live, that says that the way mm-hmm. that we talk and write needs to do something a lot more different, a lot m- more unpopular, you know? And that people mm-hmm. even need to get with it or get left. And I think that she was very mm-hmm. adamant about her approaches to writing for the Black gays in that way, right? And I say that mm-hmm. in in parentheticals and quotations, um, the idea of this black gaze versus white gaze, right? But she was calling mm. out, I mean, even black writers, who, black mm. men, who were insisted <laughs> on on writing white characters in their novels. And and she mm. wasn't. She said, what am I doing that for? Who am I writing for? I know my audience, and I know what I want to write about. Mm. And I think that's the most, that's that's an act of fearlessness. You we were talking about courage earlier, but, but to say that I know who it is i want to write for and and what yeah. it is i want to write you know that mm. it's it's, it's really I think, I think it's it's incomprehensible in the same way that it is comprehensible you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: just studying her writing mm. studying her craft There, there's so much I, we can annotate every book we have on our shelves right <laughs> but we also have to think of her as a person as a being and her love for mm-hmm. her community and her love for the literature that she was writing as well right
0: in her willingness to undergo the process wait you're low that that is i awesome. don't know what's going on now. can you hear me now
1: not really mm. i don't know why Look. i don't know what happened I can hear you. Maybe if I put headphones in or something. Because I can hear you, but it's just
0: extremely low. No. I don't know, can you low hear me now? No, I'm holding the phone in my hand.
1: Okay, I can hear you now. Something just happened.
0: Huh?
1: I can hear you now. God, technology. I know. Can you hear me now? Yes, I
0: can. I okay. Can. Um, what was I saying? oh I said that I think she was also unafraid of the process of creation because I remember hearing her say how she had went through some really depressive moments in her life in order to birth these Mm -hmm. things and that is critically important for us as creators as writers as scholars as artists to be unafraid of that process You
1: you know I a visual artist was talking last night and he, he was talking about another visual artist that was in the room. And one of the things he was saying is that I, I, he said he loved her art because she knew how to create things um, that were fearless in the same way that we're talking about right here, to be fearless of the process. And, and what he was saying was that sometimes he's afraid to create art that he doesn't know how mm. to talk about. And that struck and I think that's also why not necessarily I was avoiding that conversation, but that's a rough topic for me as well. Mm. Right. How how do we become fearless in the process? Mm. And I it's a it's a tricky thing, you know, and I and I it's a lot. It's 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 very hard, I think, right now, um, because I am playing the field between both mm the academy and outside of the Mm -hmm. academy and I think the process of writing changes and I and I'm excited to see about the way that it evolves in in further Mm -hmm. um, in about a year or two from now
0: and I think um, as we wrap up because girl as you said we could do this for hours and I'm going to make sure I definitely I have like Uh I do have a concluding question for you and we do have time for you to uh, make any um, extra remarks that you want to make, um, any plugs for you to share us with a poem if you want to do that. Yeah, oh, I would um, love to. <laughs> but I want to say, um, I want to pick up on something you said, like about you said Toni Morrison was ours, right? And people saying that we lost mm-hmm. her. But I would say mm-hmm. Toni is ours. We gained an ancestor. Mm. We, we gained an ancestor that gave everything Most she could definitely. to us. Most
1: definitely. And then the tradition yeah. of
0: her. And, you know, this spiritual piece we mentioned earlier, even with the Bible verses, I the one that comes to mind for me is your gifts will make room for you. Yeah. yeah. Your gifts will make room for you. Your gifts will make room yeah. for you. And Tony's did. And that's why her acts of boldnessness, um, fearlessness, um, courage, and being unafraid, th- that gift made room for her. Yep.
1: Yeah. I mean... Mm. Come on. <laughs> Listen, you, we gotta give
0: up the things that weigh us down. Okay, man. give up the shit that weighs you down if you wanna That weighs fly. us down. And mm-hmm. So I think that my concluding question for you is, um, I'm gonna just give you a couple and you could just jump on whichever one you want to. Um, mm-hmm. I want to hear you say something about yourself next in line or in line or training even a younger generation in this long line and legacy Mm. of black women scribes right who or what initiated you into this tradition or into this lineage um and what is your stamp as a writer
1: Mm. wow Those those are the type of questions you have to send before. No, <laughs> no because I know that you can
0: answer it on spot. No. I know
1: you No, I can. I can. <laughs> um, for the sake of time, that's what I'm always pressing. Nope, upon. you
0: can speak um, as long as you need to. I want you to answer that till you full.
1: Wow. So my entry and and I don't speak about this often. My entry into writing was very young. Um, I think is most most are uh, um, and it came from that space that you mentioned of Morrison um, and the difficulties mm. in, in life, um, the difficulties in writing, but also that you were experiencing. Mm. Um, so a lot of my writing came from very deep, dark places. Mm. <laughs> oh my goodness, places um, that feel unreal. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is why I love literature, mm-hmm. right? And I've always said this. You talk about I don't I don't try to differentiate, um, not to segue the conversation, but I don't try to differentiate too much between the studies of of literature, history, sociology, anthropology, um, eth- ethnology, like mm-hmm. you know what I mean um, at all because I think that literature is a very amicable way of studying the past, the present and the future Mm -hmm. through the lenses of primary and secondary sources is evidential in that way. Um, And so going back to what I was saying, Mm -hmm. you know, it's these things that feel unreal, but the literature is there. I can find writings of nine years old Mm -hmm. writing about some shit, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I realized that it it wasn't imaginative. It was things I was experiencing and it was as much real to me as it could have been at that time and still. Mm. um, And so when I think about this tradition of Morrison and writers alike and black women before me, I think about the uneasiness Mm. um, that comes with writing. Um, and when we talk about it's easy to categorize as as fear but I tell people that I don't necessarily have this fear of sharing literature of talking about literature um, of even creating right Mm -hmm. I think that it's just the the uneasiness that comes with it as we talk about in our conversation that sometimes you produce these very vulnerable Mm -hmm. very intense, intimate things. And once it's created, now what? And so when we talk about the the tradition of Morrison and how much it has influenced me and and women like her have influenced me as a writer and even my stamp as a writer, I think is getting to know um, that self Mm. in, in an intimate way. Um, in regards to community. Mm-hmm. Um, and, th- and that's the tricky part, right? We see it in the writers um, of Derek and, and and Giovanni, and, you know, not to just list names, but mm-hmm. a lot of Black women writers, um, which is actually what I'm studying right mm-hmm. now, um, who were writing... Mm-hmm. I mean, it was there there was no clear cut differentiation between the self and the community mm-hmm. and i think that becomes a hard part right because in, in in what parts is is there is there you know this truth mm-hmm. and then there is this intentional fallacy mm-hmm. and in what ways are we incorporating these these features of storytelling mm-hmm. Um, in a very considerate manner, I think we have to be very considerate of how we tell these mm-hmm. stories because they were birthed before mm-hmm. us. You know? And I think that we give ourselves um the freedom and the voice to have mm-hmm. them. But these aren't new stories. Mm-hmm. These aren't new traumas. Mm-hmm. These aren't, you know, these are things that have been lived and experienced and way before we interpreted Mm. them, way before we studied them. Mm. And I think it's all about the writing that talks about how one thing can be very similar to multiple generations and even different Mm. and how it can be very similar to multiple cultures, um, cultural spaces, geographically, culturally different spaces Mm -hmm. um, and how it can be different Mm. and in what ways you know, does our writing leave the reader, including ourselves, as the writer, with something? Mm-hmm. Because there, there is sometimes an emptiness that unfolds mm. during the process and thereafter. Wow. Mm. And so I think when I think of myself as a writer and and, and where it is I'm going, you know, for me, it's... <laughs> it's it's i I'm struggling with it because I think it's harder to talk about um when I'm talking to someone mm-hmm. I know because it's 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 even harder to share with with people yeah. I know right, and not to say that everything i I write is about me per yeah. se, but it is this knowingness um, that you feel like people can see right through mm-hmm. you, and I think it's being okay with that yeah. right it's it's knowing that like you said like like Morrison isn't gone mm-hmm. you know there are so like Suzaki Shange is not yeah. gone these writers are not gone and therefore you know anytime you feel transparent or you feel like you're in a room that of people just looking at mm-hmm. you you have to imagine that they're they're looking at the faces that came before mm-hmm. you right alongside with mm-hmm. you, um, and that's what the basis of my studies and my writing is. Mm-hmm. It's looking at the ways that Black literature, um, I'll say Black women, but Black literature in general, talks back to the literature before it and creates space for literature mm-hmm. after.
0: I love that. I love that.
1: So
0: are you
1: going to share a poem with us? Of course, okay, of okay, course. Okay. I knew okay. you were going to ask. Of course, I will. This is, you know, I think this is a good space to actually share something new. So mm-hmm. it's still in progress, um, and I want to preface it a little bit um, to to really go back to the beginning of this whole podcast. And we talk about um, this technological space. Yeah. I was on Instagram, um, and I don't know if you follow this um African woman her at name is at Ad- I am um Hamama yeah, so yeah, yeah 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 I Yeah, yes She's from Ghana and, right yeah. yes and she lives there she resides there and she is into the art of making yeah. shea butter and I love it I love it. And and I think seeing the way it's made because it's mass produced, mm-hmm. you know, here um, in the U.S., But she's really into the art of making it, you know, um, which to me is that it's amazing to watch, especially when you come from the Caribbean and other cultures where, where things are on Instagram for Guyana's Independence um, Day. And I, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I mean, I mentioned Guyana's Independence Day. And I kept thinking about this cloth that I was wearing that I watched Mm -hmm. being hand woven and how Mm -hmm. um, the same thing that we consider decorative becomes a delicacy Mm -hmm. and a cultural one at that. Um, So I was looking at her post (laughs) of a Black African woman who was uh, making shea butter. It It was a beautiful thing. And at the same time that she was making shea butter, can you hear me? Yep. At the same time that she was making shea butter, she was nursing her child.
0: Yeah.
1: And in the caption, um, this woman wrote, you know, people always ask me, you know, because she's gained some popularity with -hmm. her followers and, and everything. She travels and stuff. And people always ask her, well, why haven't you resort to machinery by now? You know, why are y'all still hand-making? You know, this lady's breastfeeding while she's she's mm. also um, making this this butter, this cream. Um, and she said, until I can put all my my kids to school, the kids in my village to school, I will never you know, hire these uh, material Mm -hmm. practices to come in and take the labors and the jobs of the people in my community who need it. And so that's where this poem came from. That's still in progress. Mm -hmm. We ready for you. You said, I can't hear you. I said, we ready for you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, So it doesn't have a title yet. Baby lips wrapped around breast, mother twirls her hand kneading raw butter that rests itself inside a large cucumber bin, enough to richen in millions of drying bodies, skin that cracks outside the womb. Baby's head hangs off nips, sucking milk like a child devouring a small mango seed after a school day's work. Mother holds him in one hand in circles with the other, Every go around, her body rocks, breasts slipping in and out until he is fed, and she will nurse another world for someone else. Mother knows the way hands breed life, like breast and mouth, back and forth, back and forth, hands churning round and round, thick, thick, then gone.
0: Mm. I say, I say, and I say.
1: Thank you, Karzine. Thanks for having me, Sadia. Love you. I love you too so much. Um, I really quickly to plug myself. Of
0: course.
1: I'm on Instagram at Dear Brother Malcolm. That's brother with an A. So D-E-A-R-B-R-O-T-H-A Malcolm. I am on twitter as dear bro malcolm that didn't have enough characters <laughs> so dear bro malcolm um and please look forward to my website which should be out within a matter of days mm-hmm. the carmen wong.com that's carmen with an i so the carmen c-a-r-m-i-n wong w-o-n-g dot com yes okay Thank you so much, Sadia, for having me, but also for creating this space. I I tell you, I listen to your podcast mm-hmm. <laughs> for fun, really, yeah. right? Um, as not only a source of entertainment and education, but I think it's needed in the community. It's restorative in that way. Um, everything I've said before, so needless to say it again. But I thank you so much for this space, for holding
0: this mm-hmm. space. And I thank you so much for who you are and for doing the work, Carmen. You already know I'm so proud of you. <laughs> you too. Likewise, sis. Likewise.
1: Okay.
0: All right. And we'll talk take soon. Take good care. All right.